Welcome to Context with Advanced Design. Context is a podcast space where laid-back conversations on design, life, and everything in between happen. In this show, we interview experts in our field, but also students, educators, and anyone who's part of the industrial design family. Thank you for tuning in, and here's today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Context with Advanced Design. My name is Hector Silva, and today we have Anna Lee on Context. Anna, thank you so much for being here. Yay, thank you for having me. I'm excited. A little bit about Anna. Um, Anna, you were fed up with the fact that female sexuality has for so long been a taboo topic with little resources allocated towards it. So you left your job at Amazon's concept engineering team and you created Lioness, a smart vibrator that syncs with an app where women can access biofeedback and visualizations direct from her own body. So that's a little insight, little bio about who you are. We're going to dive more into that a little later. But first and foremost, let's kick things off by telling us a little bit about who you are. Where did you go to school? And what did you go to school for? Yeah, so uh, so I'm Anna. I went to school at UC Berkeley uh, for mechanical engineering. But I actually started out doing like bioengineering and materials engineering and then one thing I learned was like it was something that I just wasn't passionate about because for me I really like the concept of like having ideas in your brain and then being able to see it physical product of it and for me actually like so materials engineering was you know you're looking at atom structures and chemical compounds and I like realized I there was like a summer where I built a skateboard at a like a machine shop and I was like mm. it is so cool to be like oh I want to learn how to skateboards I'm like build a skateboard and then like learn all the nuances of you know like how do you make the curvature like why is the curvature important all of that and then being able to build something like that made me just like realize why I like wanted to change to mechanical engineering so I graduated with a mechanical engineering degree from UC Berkeley um, and then I went to Amazon right afterwards so my brain hurts just listening to you talk about building the skateboard <laughs> um, because I think I'm assuming so you wanted to build things from an engineering perspective. Yeah. Um, and then you, so you went to Berkeley and uh, you ended up at Amazon. What what exactly is happens at Amazon? Because when you think of Amazon, we think of big Amazon in Seattle. Mm. So, yeah. So I was in a division that's in Silicon Valley in Sunnyvale. It was called Lab 126. Mm -hmm. I think they're merged now. So it is just called Amazon. But we were basically, it was almost like a big startup functioning for Amazon, building all the hardware products. So all the Kindles, the tablets, the controllers, like all of that came out of the, the Silicon Valley division. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really fortunate after I graduated, because I did an internship there to work in a team called Concept Engineering. So we actually had multidisciplinary, like, people like in electrical engineering and software and design and all of that in one team and our goal was to build prototypes um, for future products that are supposed to be three to five years out that didn't always necessarily have to do with the kindle but it was like innovative things that amazon could be working on so it was kind of a if i think about it now it's kind of one of those nice instances where i got a glimpse of how like a hardware startup would work because mm -hmm. you come with an idea you build prototypes you work like cross-functionally and then you would go pitch it to, in Seattle to like all the executive teams and being like, oh, like this is the project we're working on and try to basically get those greenlit to, as a real product. So before I left um, 
I got to work on the Kindle Voyage, which was the high-end, mm. uh, the e-reader, and then working on the page press technology there. And then the dash button actually was like my final project before I left. Both of those are actually discontinued now, but I will say they were like cool products when they were like out in the market at the time. So when you're at Amazon, you work with other people, um, other disciplines like industrial designers, you worked with other engineers, I'm assuming with product designers. Yeah, yeah. Um, people in business. Um, what did you learn? Like what, what is something that you, t when you left Amazon that you took with you? Like, oh, this was like a huge learning experience mm. for me. Honestly, like I, I think I get the question a lot of a lot of young students asking like, should I go to a startup first or a corporate? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like I'm not saying this is the right path, but I was very fortunate. I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity in a large corporate setting because I was able to work with so many incredibly smart people and just mm -hmm. like hyper focused in their discipline, right? Like battery engineers, like everything you've ever wanted to know about battery. We had like an audio, audio engineer and he like, he taught me so much about just like sounds and like somebody that worked on like was really good at mechanical buttons and like learning all of that. So I think it was really helpful to see like how cross-functional, like how important it is to work. And mechanical engineering is a little bit interesting because you kind of are like the middle person to like the electrical engineers telling you what the requirements are, industrial designers telling you what they want it to look like, and then as mechanical, and then manufacturing and sustainability and many like all those people telling you exactly what they need, and you're kind of like this middle person where you're trying to build something that qual that kind of satisfies all those like, requirements. So it was kind of fun. I think I learned a lot in terms of like understanding compromise and like where everybody's coming from, and I think that's the the thing that I'm grateful when I came to Lioness and building this product out was because we weren't hyper focused on like making it look as beautiful as possible or like making it the longest battery but kind of just understanding a little bit of all disciplines and trying to make something that kind of made sense from all aspects so i think that was really helpful when i like left amazon who was the worst person to work with there <laughs> <laughs> you know there, i don't have a person that was like the, i don't have a thing but i will say like there was classically a thing that we used to always joke around like mechanical engineers mm. and industrial engineers always had like a really funny um, dynamic. I think especially when I was at Amazon was like, you know, industrial designers were kind of like in the Apple-esque kind mm. of thing of like, those are the cool, like so <laughs> cool. They have their own off, like their own floor that's like locked and you need security clearance for. And they would like stroll into a meeting being like, no, it needs to look like this. and. The mechanical engineer's job is to basically say no to a lot of those things mm -hmm. of being like oh that's not possible or that's not possible so they see us a lot of times i think as the people that won't um take chances or like mm -hmm. kind of like break out of what we know will work mechanically or like manufacturing wise but then industrial designers are to be like you know creative and create the next kind of innovation in terms of like what the manuf like and we're it's our job to figure out what the manufacturing for that looks like but there is a lot of times we don't want to take the risk or it's too expensive or whatever and so i think there was a the joke was always that there's a classic dynamic between industrial designers and mechanical engineers and i was so when i first started i was like always so scared of all the industrial engineers because i thought <laughs> they were so cool and we were like the nerds at the meetings mm -hmm. being like no we can't do that like no it needs to be double the millimeter thickness that you're asking for so 
Um, that's always the dynamic I think of. All these designers coming in with their turtlenecks. Like, <laughs> I want this and I want that. Um, so you were at Amazon for close to a year and a half. Uh, two, close to two years. Two years. Yeah. Before you decided to kind of leave mm -hmm. and then start your own business. At one point at Amazon or, or prior to leaving, did you start to have this idea in your head of, I want to do something? Mm. So actually, I really, I, I tell this to people all the time, like I never meant to be an entrepreneur in any mm. shape or form. Like it was really not in my, my DNA. Like, yeah, like, or just like the mm. still that, because for me, like uh, my parents immigrated here when I was, like I lived in Korea till I was six and then I moved to the US. I was born mm. here, but then moved to Korea when I was a baby and then lived there till six and then came back. And so like, I really experienced it as like an immigrant experience where my parents sacrificed everything to like come mm. here. It's kind of like mm -hmm. that classic, like they wanted to experience the American dream or give us the opportunity to experience the American dream. And for them, it meant like being in a corporate, you know, being in a- Playing it safe. Yeah, like being a doctor, being mm -hmm. a lawyer, like all of that. And so like, I think in a way, like I, I do love engineering, but it did shape it in yeah. towards like going into Silicon Valley, going into corporate and doing that. And so I've never really thought about like wanting to take a risk to do entrepreneurship. But I think the biggest thing for me was like, I think like two, so like two years down, like you're like commuting every single day, right? To yeah. this place, you're sitting in your cubicle, you like go get a cup of coffee, you hang out with the same people at lunch. like. It just suddenly felt like I just was like, oh my God, like I'm supposed to do this for like 40 years, 40 years <laughs> until you retire and like all that. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I just like, just had a, and I think the biggest thing for me is like, I, I loved my team. I had a really cool team, but I was for most of it, like the only woman engineer on the entire team. Right. Like of mm -hmm. all like 16, 17 dudes, most of them engineering. And so there's this feeling where like they're all awesome and like they're we we all got along really great but you never forget you never get to just be like an engineer like you'll always be the woman engineer right like that woman engineer on the team and so like i remember feeling kind of weird and then there was a moment where i was like oh it's kind of a superpower like mm. because you have insights that most things designed i think don't you know like if you're if you're not a person with a vagina or like you don't have that perspective you can't really say you're designing something that's unisex or like for women mm -hmm. right like you don't get that deeper perspective so i just kind of suddenly had this realization like oh i know how to make stuff oh and I also can make things that like i want to see out in the world and so that was kind of like my thing of like oh like and it's also that I never, I never was like, oh, I want to make sex toys for a living because I like came from such a conservative religious family. But it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, like this industry is so male dominated and just realizing like the thing that was supposed to make us feel comfortable and like in tune with their body was like mostly designed by dudes, like historically. And so it just kind of like all these little pieces came together where I realized like, man, like I think there's something really big we can do in the sex toy industry. So you did two kind of tab you did two things that kind of go against your upbringing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You became an entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneur and you went into the sex, the sex toy industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I can relate to the first one. Um yeah, same brought up raised with conservative parents who are religious. 
Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur. I feel like I just do things. But and, that kind of, that is right. And, and like, people yeah. say that you are, and you're just like, I guess. But right after I graduated from undergrad, I was a part of a pyramid scheme, a pyramid scheme for two years. Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> and this is a. I'll talk about this story later in another episode. But I was a part of a pyramid scheme for two years that they really pushed entrepreneurship, and you had to go out and sell stuff. It was the weirdest thing in the world because it was definitely a cult, but I learned so much. <laughs> I, I'm going to give him credit. I know. <laughs> I, I like, learned are you so much drop shit. the name of this cult? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to give him so much credit because I did learn a lot about business mm. without going to business school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just paid a huge fortune. And <laughs> <laughs> but that did, that did really allow me to understand business and how things work and etc. But um, you're absolutely right. Like, I think as first generation kids, your parents are always like, go to school, yeah. things will be okay, and play it safe, and then do this over and over again for 50 years. Like, yeah, and, and that's like what they did, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they grind at a job that's not particularly because they're passionate about, but it's like survival. And I yeah. think mm-hmm. like I think the values are, it's not that it's wrong, I think they just grew up on different values, and it's finding that like disconnect from something you don't identify with but you also want to honor for your parents i think Mm -hmm. so that's like a really hard i think boundary for a lot of like immigrant kids and like first gen kids or like people of color or just like just because it's such a yeah it's like hard because like some Mm -hmm. people i know like a lot of people are like oh like why does it matter what your parents think like you should do what you're what makes you happy and it's like but it's just we're not programmed like that like Mm -hmm. we owe so much to our parents that a lot of times i'm like conflicted <laughs> it's true my um my mom thinks i'm unemployed because i'm always at home mm. <laughs> and and like mm, like i teach but she doesn't understand like what i do right she tells people that i'm a teacher like is it like oh are you a professor at university right. or are she, you like teaching in a kindergarten yeah she's like, like oh something. she's like he's an art teacher like, uh, that's fine like, yeah that's good enough i don't really care what you tell people but um, yeah, I mean, parents are goofy. Um, so then you started, Lion- you co-founded Lioness. Yeah. And I'm sure that in itself was like a huge undertaking um, because well, starting a business isn't like easy. But also you started a business here in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. right? Which is like one of the most competitive markets in the world. Um, so w- why is it called Lioness? And, and when I'm looking, you know, here... It says Lioness is a world's first and only smart vibrator that gives biofeedback to help people learn about their own bodies. So why is it called Lioness? Like, how did all this kind of come to be? Yeah. So Lion- So we used to actually be, when we first started the company, we used to be called Smart Bod, like Smart Body. Hmm. So Smart Bod Incorporated. And I think that was a big influence on the Silicon Valley feeling of like, we want to be hard tech mm-hmm. and like really, you know, like identify in this culture of like hard tech in Silicon Valley. Um, one, it was, I think it's a terrible name because it's like, everyone would be like, what, smart what, smart bot? Mm-hmm. Like smart bot? And like in a, in, a, in a setting of like at a convention, like it was just like nobody knew what our name was. And also it was everything I think we don't really identify as, as co-founders. Like we do come from like a very, I would, I would call all three of us like very nerdy, very kind of coming from like 
none of us were, you know, grew up super sexually open or like super, we're all a little bit introverted, very dorky. And I think for us, it was kind of this like mission of like destigmatizing female sexuality and just feeling empowered in a very like, um, in a way where there's a lot of information and you learn a lot while you're doing it. And so SmartBot just didn't really resonate with us. And I think Linus, when we were going through kind of branding and naming, one of the big things is like uh, lions, like lioness are like the, the head of their pride, right? Like they're the ones that are doing all the hunting and like all of this, they take ownership of their pride and all of that. And I think, and just that kind of identified with us so much more. And so we're, it just made a lot more sense. And I think um, it's been like a name that resonates with us really well. And we mm -hmm. have a lot of fun, I think, using it in different ways. Um, but yeah, I think that's like, I think, yeah, I think I'm really glad we chose the name Linus. And um, what was your second part of the question? So my second question is because I feel like everyone says, oh, we're the only... Mm. We sell, we, y, yeah. we sell the best coffee in the world here, right? <laughs> not, I'm not trying to say that you don't, but um, this can clarify. Like, I'm sure people are like, well, what, what is biofeedback? Yeah. You, know, you, you say that it's the world's first and only smart vibrate, uh, vibrator that gives you this data. Um, yeah, and you're like, is it that. for real? Like, is it real? So, yeah. yeah, I. So, the sex toy industry is. I would say like historically old school, it's changing a lot. And now there's even a coin term called sex tech is mm. kind of the genre of, I think what we're, what we are categorized under. But I would say like the interesting thing is like vibrators have always kind of been like a motor and on off button, right? Mm. Like it's, and it's like, there's usually a pattern button or like changing the string. Um, but one of the big things, like the reason why we started Linus was the question that we got from a lot of people were like, hey, this happens, like, is this normal? Like, am I normal? And the fact is like, we don't know a lot about our own bodies because there's not a lot of information out there. Like the research is extremely mm. limited um, and the academic research hasn't really like thrived since the 80s. Like, it, like a lot of it gets defunded. There's a lot of stigma and taboo around like learning about female sexuality. So one of the big things we've realized is that uh, pelvic floor muscles, how mm. your vaginal walls or like even anal muscles are squeezed and relaxed. It's one of the best indicators for arousal and orgasm. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, oh, like it kind of gives you a way to actually understand what's happening with your body. And that's something. So the what we've integrated is basically four sensors. So what it's measuring is how mm. your uh, pelvic floor muscles are squeezing and relaxing. And during an orgasm, there's a rhythmic pattern that happens that's very unique and you're doing it involuntarily. So we basically embedded that into the, the vibrator. And then what you're doing is like, you use it like a normal vibrator, but then you pair it to your phone after and you can see that data. And I will, I can very confidently say there's no other vibrator mm -hmm. that does that currently. And which is why I think we, it's, it's awesome because it's, awesome to do the first and only mm -hmm. but it's also incredibly hard as a startup to try to frame like what what this category even is right because you have to like do all this explanation of what what the product is why it exists because you can't just be like oh it's like you know like casper mattress like mm -hmm. purple mattress but better like you know like you can't mm -hmm. just compare it to something that's already in existence like we're having to be out there and kind of defining all of that which mm -hmm. has been really interesting i think in um being the first and only <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's really funny because you you say that there there still isn't enough information about 
us. Yeah. The human body is, I find that really funny because, you know, I think humans and I don't know who, what other mammal, dolphins, mm. are the most like sexually active. Like pl- for pleasure. Yeah, for pleasure. Like yeah, beings yeah. on the planet. But yet somehow we don't have any research. Or yeah. We don't invest in this. Like how like we we pleasure ourselves more than anyone else in the world yeah and i'll say like extra crazy on top of that is um there is quite a bit of information in terms of like uh like we're talking like physiological male like cis gender male bio (laughs) Mm -hmm. is like there's actually quite a lot of research Mm because when erectile dysfunction kind of came like they pumped so much money into that um, and so we do like there is and it's a little bit easier to study because in terms of like arousal and orgasm mm-hmm. it's a it's almost more binary that's very like easy like it happened it didn't happen kind of thing versus for like uh, cisgender female physiological responses uh, the way that they measured is like really complex and they're not sure they're not always sure like what they measure is like blood flow mm-hmm. uh, your moisture on your skin your temperature but those all like kind of correlate to arousal and orgasm, but it's not like a hundred percent like this is exactly the way that you can define what arousal and orgasm is for women. And mm. so it makes it really complex. And then I would also say because of the taboo of like female masturbation, like it does really break up this this concept of like understanding uh, what like being able to have more funding and research in sexual Mm. pleasure for women so i would say like yeah it's it's very unfortunate that it's expensive to study for especially female but man like i will it's crazy to me that in 2021 we still know very 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 little about the female like sexual arousal cycle or all of that so does that mean that you have scientists on your team? Mm, so we partner with a lot of researchers. Mm. Um, and then there's like the researchers that are, do kind of sex focus, but also sex educators. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple doctors, OB-GYNs and pelvic floor therapists awesome. and sex therapists. So our whole thing is like we, we're coming from it as like, let's change as much of the information or like let's bring more mm-hmm. information into this world as much as possible. So we're not really in the field of like, only we're gonna know all this information but we're like we want to collaborate with as many people who are even just interested in kind of doing stuff like this to like yeah just to get more information because it is like built for people like us right so it does make it a more fun collaborative project Mm -hmm. for sure so i'm gonna shift a little bit here you have a pretty big presence on social media not (laughs) only on instagram but also on tiktok um and you're using these platforms as a way to really push this education out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you're representing, you know, like Lioness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is it weird to go in front of the camera and you're, you're, being, bo- you're, you're <laughs> being open? You're yeah, like, hey, yeah. I'm doing this, like... Um, I'm also a user, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, is, is, is that weird or are you mm. like 100% comfortable? And That's a good question. You know what? So this year is my, I think, going to be my seventh year doing this full time. Mm-hmm. Like in Linus, not in social media, but just working on Linus. And I actually tell people all the time, like, 
when I first started Lioness, like I was like scared of my own body. Like this mm. is a much of a journey for me to open up sexually or just feeling confident in my own body, like as much as I think a lot of people go through. So when I first started, like I was really scared to say the words like clitoris, orgasm, vagina, like all of that, right? And I was like, and people would be like, oh, so like, have you used it? Like, what do you products yeah. you like? And I would like freak out because I'd be like, oh my God, I don't want to talk about my own sexual, like whatever mm -hmm. preferences. So I think people that meet me now, people are like, oh, you're so, you're so open about talking about this, but it's, it is like truly seven years of practice. And I mm -hmm. think like, um, like well into like year up to year five, year six, I was like, I felt kind of this identity crisis of like, oh my God, I'm gonna be just known as like that vibrator girl or like that sex mm. toy girl, like whatever. And I wasn't sure if that I felt comfortable with it, but I would say like or up to earlier this year and like this year I've fully been like, this is like, this is, I'm so happy with how far I've come in my journey and I like how much information we want to share with the world. So like at this point, I think I have so much fun with it, which is mm -hmm. why I think I'm able to just like the, the Instagram and TikTok, like it's still a small time creator, but it really genuinely started like, it wasn't even associated to Linus stuff. Mm -hmm. And which is why, cause if I, if it was, I would have started it as a Linus account. But it really was just genuinely me being like, I want to just share as much information that I've learned because I've realized like so little people know all this information. So like, yeah, it genuinely just started out as like, I just want to be able to get as many things out there as possible so that people feel like there's a journey that they can take to understand their body better. So yeah, yeah it's been it's been totally like a wild, fun journey so far. Um, but another thing that I really didn't like mean to and it started out like mm. on instagram like for my friends mm. and like um i'm very grateful that it's like starting to slowly pick up and people are, like it's nice to know that people are interested in it even though tiktok technically <laughs> eventually i'm sure my account will be banned at instagram maybe shadow banned already like <laughs> i think there's a little like i'm kind of walking on edges of uh, mm. uh what's actually technically allowed on their <laughs> platforms so since we're on the topic of social media yeah you, we also get a lot of weirdos on social media. <laughs> Do people ever DM you or reach out to you and say, hey, like, you know, really cross that line of mm. being inappropriate or, or because you're talking about a subject that, you know, it's sexualized. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like people, like Hollywood movies, culture, right? And so they don't see it as like education. Yeah. Right? Um, do you get any weird stuff like that? So to be honest, I mean, I, I, yes, but I think to be honest, like, um, so far through TikTok and like through Instagram, like mm -hmm. the, the thing that I feel so grateful for, maybe it changes over time, but like people have been so kind to me. Like the DMs that I get mostly are people being like, Hey, I'm trying to get advice. Like, I'm not sure how to talk to my significant other about this, or mm. I've never used a toy and I'm like kind of nervous. What would you recommend? So it's been like such genuine things that I'm like, I want to be able to help as much as possible and like give you as much information. Um, but also I would say like through Linus, just even as a company, right? Mm. Like going to CES and like, I I would like to give the benefit of the doubt. It's, it's one, like culturally, we've just never been trained. A lot of us have not been trained to feel comfortable in this topic, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I think 
people mean well, but they get so nervous and they don't know how to talk about it. So sometimes they, you know, they're trying to make small talk and then they'll ask like weird questions. But for sure, I think through Linus, like um, I've definitely grown like a very thick skin to kind of that stuff, like in one year, out the other, mm -hmm. and just kind of like chugging along. Cause, and I do chalk up most of it. Like I would say like, it's very small percentage that's like ill intention. Most mm -hmm. people, I think it is just like, I'm freaked out because this person makes sex toys and I don't know how to respond or say something mm -hmm. that's like, I don't know, PC or like whatever. Um, and so sometimes I think they ask it in a weird way, but I feel like honestly, like I've been very grateful that so far it's actually been pretty awesome. And just really people that are just genuinely like, I'm lost, like mm -hmm. how how, where do I go from here? And like, I love being able to point people directions. Also the small plug of like, um, I know people like, you know, <laughs> hate on Gen Z a lot, especially <laughs> through TikTok and all that, but I've been so impressed by how many young people have been DMing me that are like students who are like, I really want to get into the sex tech field. I want to mm. change what the industry looks like. I want to change, like, I want to be an engineer in this. And like, Man, when I was that young, I never thought, you know, like, and to see all these young people so passionate about taboo fields, I'm like, I don't know. I, it makes me feel like we, we're, we're in a good place. Maybe I'm just in a really mm. safe space of social media. Maybe one day it'll, like, go into, like, more toxic, toxic categories, you know, and, like, more people that are, <laughs> like, want to just be evil on the internet. But so far, it's been just, like, people genuinely curious, I think. Do your parents know what you do? Mm, my parents do know what I do. Actually, I just saw my dad yesterday after, like, he lives in Korea, so I didn't see him mm. for a long time. And we were just talking about it, too, because I was like, I was like, you know, like, we, so my mom and I, like, I, when I first quit uh, Amazon, I didn't tell her what I was doing, because I was, you know, I was so sure she was going to disown me. Like, mm. I was, you know, or just be so upset at my life choices. And so I didn't tell her for, like, I almost want to say like almost up to a year and she lives in LA and I live in San Francisco and like she knew that I was like not really you know calling or like I was so busy because we we're like starting mm -hmm. this company she was like hey I'm gonna come visit like I haven't really heard from you I just want to check everything's okay and I was like okay this is the time like when she comes visit I'm gonna tell her so she came to visit and we were like in a co-working space and like you know crammed in like a small table with like four chairs with like silicone vibrator samples just all over and all I the like prototypes yes it was like so many prototypes like so many like other companies products and i like she came and i like showed her all the stuff we were making but then i was like telling her why i was so passionate about it and it was like that i was like scared of my body all throughout my life mm -hmm. and like when i was a kid like i experienced sexual trauma which made me like feel like i didn't own my own body or like i didn't deserve pleasure like mm -hmm. I think that's where it came from is like I just didn't feel like I owned my body or like I deserved it because like something had happened in my childhood and like it was one of those situations where like you know our my family eventually found out about it they slept we slept it under the rug we never talked about it and then so like this moment where I was like showing her everything and I was like so passionately being like you know it's like important like it's like something that you know I want people to learn about their body and like feel comfortable with and she was like really quiet and then I was like oh my gosh she's gonna rail like she's gonna destroy me and she was like you know like when I was younger I used to have a vibrator and I was like oh and then for the next two hours we talked about our sex lives she asked me when I lost my virginity we talked about her sex life I was like giving her sex advice at some point like it was just two hours of us like 
being so intimate and I, she, I I was like it was the most beautiful disgusting thing I've ever done right like it's, <laughs> it's like I'm so grateful that we had that moment we never did it ever again I'm like so it's like I'm so grateful that we got to connect in that way in mm. a way that I you know never I don't think we ever would have unless I worked on Linus specifically mm. but then also like I also learning about sex things about your mom is like horrifying you know it's still my mom but um so yeah and overall i would say i'm very grateful of what happened but i think at the very end she was like you know like when you were young like like when all that happened she was like i always wondered if you're okay and it's like something that we never talked about and she was like this was a moment where i felt like like i know you're on the right path and you're gonna be okay and i was like yeah you know like i feel like i'm okay like i think i'm i you're right like i do feel like i'm on the right path and so it was like we didn't talk about it very deeply, but it was one of those moments where we both were like, yeah, like it's gonna be fine. And so it was such a like, it was such a great moment for both of us. Um, so yeah, I honestly wouldn't have had it any other way, but I did call my brother, my brother and I really close. Like after she left, I was like, oh my God, I have to tell you like what mom told me. And he was like, do not, he's like, not even on my deathbed, do not oh ever tell God. me. So I carry it with me to the, to the grave. But um, yeah, my parents do know at this point. Mm, that, They're not like excited, you know, but they, they know. <laughs> but that must have been like a really awesome thing to just do with your parents because there's a lot of things that my parents and I don't. Oh, for sure. So a lot of the stuff that we've done when we were younger, we would just do and they never found out because if they did, they would freak out. Yeah. Right? Because they're just like, just a different generation. For sure. I think like, um, I mean, yeah, I still grew up in a very Asian household mm -hmm. and I think it's still like, you know, like, I don't know, I like, I'll do something when she's like, oh, like, I don't know, I'll go somewhere for a weekend or something and yeah. I don't want to explain. And oh, she's you like, get judged. Oh, like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> are you to come back? Like, whatever. So, I mean, there's still things like that, I think, especially for a family. And I'm not like, you know, like the term, like we don't, our language of love is not to be like, oh, I love you and all that. Yeah. So like, it's still the very typical immigrant family. But yeah, like, I'm grateful that we... I think because maybe I was able to be so honest with them that specific time, like it's become like as I get older, like it does feel a little bit more comfortable kind of mm. pushing boundaries of like what I can tell them. Cause I always end it with like, oh, but I'm okay and I'm happy. And then they're usually like more huh. accepting of it. So maybe it does help like to like freak out your parents every now and then. And then like they are more accepting of things. Yeah, I um, I think sometimes we have to stand up to our parents, and mm -hmm. then in that way they respect you. Yeah, like you have to see them kind of human, you mm -hmm. know, like because you're always grown scared yeah. of your parents. Exactly, and then they don't expect you to stand up to them. Yeah, and when you do, you're like, they're like, oh shit, like okay, this is real. Like this person's an adult. Yeah, I just experienced this with you know, I'm not gonna go into detail, but like with my girlfriend, she was had a situation, and it was the same thing. I was like. I was like, okay, tell your dad. Like, stand up to your dad and, um, like, you got nothing to lose. It's hard, though. I totally yeah. understand. Actually, it's so funny. I The advice, because a lot of Asian, <laughs> I would say a lot of Asian people, when they ask me for advice, is like, young Asian, like, students, is like, 
how do you go into something that's so against your parents' will? Mm -hmm. And like the the very practical advice that I give is like just freak out your parents like every so often, and then eventually <laughs> they're just like, you know what, do whatever, just mm -hmm. be safe. Like don't you know you know have a roof over your head, like yeah. do that and be happy. So like I was always like, oh like I got my first tattoo, and then she like freaked out, cried, screamed like for like two weeks, like so upset. And then I, what did I do? I like, um, I like was starting to dye my hair like all sorts of crazy colors. And then she was like, oh my God, why are you doing that? And then I started Linus and then she was, you know, we had that whole thing and she was like, what is wrong with this child? And then I shaved my head one time and then she like, literally the day I came home to visit and I had a shaved head, she didn't even, it, she didn't even, it wasn't even phasing her because she just knew at this point that like, I, I just like to push boundaries of stuff and like, <laughs> But I was doing it in a way where I was still safe. Mm -hmm. I was still happy, like all that. So she was very just like, okay, like you do you. So I would say like my practical advice is like, <laughs> you just gotta like work on freaking yeah. out your parents That's every now and then. So before we jump into the next phase of this conversation, I yeah. do wanna go back. Um, you had talked about that when you answer people on social media, mm. DMs, that you're just in a very safe space and you're mm -hmm. very confident um, that some of the things that people reach out to you whether they're negative or inappropriate they just don't phase you mm -hmm. you kind of just you know uh and that kind of reminds me of you know you talk about your journey and and doing this for seven years um and you've grown and, and you're a different person now yeah and that just reminds me of something that i constantly um just remind myself about confidence and sometimes where we're in a space that you're so confident in who you are mm-hmm that no one's opinion or rejection or behavior can rock you. Mm, mm -hmm. Is that is that how you feel right now? Yeah, I honestly, and it's so funny that you say that because I was just like um, talking about this with people too, is like, I would say this is the first year where I feel just really like we're, our company's on the right track. Because mm. like, I think the first, and a lot of people will tell you this, like the first five, six years is like, what the heck am I doing with my mm -hmm. life? Like you st your startup is like chaos and you're trying every single thing to make it something that's survivable. Um, and I really feel that like it really was one of those moments where you're constantly like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Oh, you know, all my friends are getting married, having kids, having, you know, buying houses. And I'm here mm -hmm. like grinding and like figuring out like, you know, like what sacrifices I've made and like just being like, is this the right decision? But this is for sure the first year where I've like really broke from that life crisis to feel just really like half, like proud of what we've built and just confident that like at this point, like I think we've proved that we deserve to be here as a company. And like, you know, a lot of startups don't survive five first five years. Mm -hmm especially if you're in hardware in Silicon Valley, as women founders, as a company that's not, you know, uh, like series A or whatever, and like is in sex tech. Like I think at this point we've proven every single indication of like everything that's always been against us, like to have survived. So like, I, and then I get, yeah. And I feel like so proud of what we've built. And I think I feel so just like good. And then I go into like, you know, the same imposter syndrome of like, okay, but now am I being too like, like, is it too narcissistic or like arrogant to be like, oh, our company is awesome. Like, uh, so I, sometimes I like my brain battles between like, mm 
Mm. Oh man, I feel so good about our company. I was like, am I being too arrogant about our company? Like, is it like too much confidence? But I think that's just <laughs> classic internal struggle, internal like mm-hmm. yeah, imposter syndrome, all of that. So that's a perfect segue into talking about Forbes 30 under 30, mm. <laughs> which you were awarded last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a very prestigious um, accomplishment, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, Tell us how that kind of happened. Man, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, there were the nomination process happened. And then um, one of my, like, one of the people that we've worked, I've worked with and like done stuff with, was nominated me. And then I like really didn't think much of it. I'm, I'm going to be very honest. And I've actually never said this like, uh, like into the world before. But I, I did want it as one of my goals before mm-hmm. I turned 30. Like it was something that I thought kind of meant a lot in terms of just like that I was, especially when I was like so struggling with like, what am I doing with my life, all that. Like it felt like a, not like everything, but a little proof, like little snippet of a proof that I was on the right path. And I mm-hmm. think it was important before, you know, all this and when the internal turmoil is going on that I kind of like wanted this. But I didn't want to bank on it all there either because it's like, oh, but why do you need external validation? Like the awards, like all that, like it doesn't really matter, which I think is also very true. Um, but yeah, it I like was nominated and then like I got an email being like, hey, like we need more information, like just to see you're in like the, the final round basically of like mm. the selection process. But then I didn't want to get my hopes up at all. So I was just like, okay, here's your all the information. And then actually I found out <laughs> that I wasn't on the emailing list. So I think you're supposed to find out like the day before it announced, but I didn't even know. And then I was coming back home from Vietnam hmm. and then somebody texted me. Like I had the one moment I had service right before the plane was leaving. So I was like, oh my God, congrats on 30 under 30. And I was like, what? And then so like in the very, like one bar 2G service I had, I was like trying to look it up. And then, and then I had to shut my phone off and I, like I found out and then I like shut my phone off and the whole ride I was like like internal freaking out of like oh my god like is this real like I can't even look up more information like what just happened like all of that but um I I mean overall I would say like I'm incredibly grateful but also yeah like I I still do believe like though there's so many people that deserve like there's so Mm -hmm. many people that deserve it that and then it's not all like, you know, like not everyone's recognized through that. And I think like it's a nice snippet. It's a nice thing mm-hmm. to like feel like, oh, like, you know, like you're acknowledged for your work. But at the same time, like, yeah, like there's, you know, a thousand million other things in life that's like so important that you can keep kind of working towards. What does this prove to you? You know, you talked about how it was something you wanted to do when you were younger. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have that kind of on their checklist because it's a feeling of like val- social validation i guess mm-hmm. what does it mean to me i think well what does it prove oh what does it prove to yeah. me honestly at this point i would say mm, not particularly a lot the thing for me like i think what's important about it or like what it what it proves to me is like there's incredible people doing incredible Mm. things like because there's so many uh like categories of 30 under 30 like and we actually have like a community like a slack and like all of that and so uh we actually get paired up and you get to like meet 
the other person get like zoom well now because of the pandemic like zoom like hangout or whatever and like so many people are doing so many cool things and it's crazy to think that it's people that are like young right like it's not even like mm-hmm. younger than me there's like teenagers in there that are just Shit. so passionate about like changing something in the world and to me it's like it just proves to me like i think uh of all the bad things that was constantly happening in the world like it proves like uh, there's people that care and i think you know young people get get you know railed all the time about like you know they're so down like all this but i don't know to me i i personally feel so like uh i don't know if it's like i feel very proud i feel very safe that we're in good hands of people that really want to do good in this world but that's a very like glass half full <laughs> depends how you look at for the world sure. for sure <laughs> i know with awards um i mean i think this one is very meaningful because there's a lot of awards where you pay to play mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. um that's very true that's something no one really talks about no is one like, talks about it at all it's a good business model like <laughs> yeah awards like that you pay to get like mm-hmm. apply it is but very come on um but with this award, I mean, it's it's like, it's it's a pretty big accomplishment, um, and like you said, you're recognized by Forbes, and then you're in there with people who are doing so many amazing things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to know if, you know, when you receive something like this, is it is it easy for you to be like, okay, like this is awesome, I'm gonna drink the Kool Aid and like. <laughs> this feels good yeah yeah. or is it like this is an acknowledgement that i'm in the right path that i'm doing good work and i'm gonna get back to work because mm. this is like what i'm gonna use to motivate me for the next two years or yeah. like i'm gonna use this right yeah i think for me um i remember when i first got it my co-founders were like you must put this on all your signatures mm-hmm. all your linkedin profile everything right mm-hmm. and i was so hesitant to do it because mm-hmm. I mean, it feels a little weird. Like, it's hard to be bragging of yourself. Like, oh, hi, I'm Anna. I'm 30. Like, you can't. It's like a weird feeling. And like, um, but they're like, you got to do it. Like, it's just one of those things. Um, I mean, yeah, if you get if anyone looks up any of my stuff, it says it everywhere now. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it I think at this point, it is more just like, uh making the most of my 20s of like Mm -hmm. man like i you know like i want to make this something like that i don't feel like i didn't deserve to get like i do want to feel like i'm doing the best i can and like just grinding it out in my 20s because i think yeah like i think 20s is a special age where you're really trying to like figure out who you are as a person like what you are like what you mean what you're trying to do and i think yeah it it motivated me to just being like okay like i just need to make i think first especially linus because we're so unique like i have this huge like i think the weight that i carry that no one has asked me to but i carry all the time is like i need to prove to the world that like one hardware company run by women in silicon valley with uh culture like the our culture principles and mission is very like not tech techy like we have very unique principles and like how we want to build our company like i need to prove that this is a successful model so that Mm -hmm. other companies can replicate it or like you know say like this is a proven model that works and i think 
I carry that weight of like, I need to make sure this does well. And I think that's kind of what it really means to me at this point. Okay. So it, if we were videotaping this interview, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everyone would see how sweaty I am post-workout. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what is one word you describe yourself right now in this moment? Hmm. One word. Uh, what do other people say? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever asked that question. Before. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a hard one. One yeah. word to describe myself. Uh, I would say, I would say, okay, I don't know what the I, the vocabulary word's not picking up right now at the top of my head, but it's just like, uh, it's the motto. I'll say a motto. It's like, always try it once. Hmm. Like, always say yes once. Because I I would say like every decision that has been made in my life, because it's a lot of like, oh, like how did you end up doing that? Or even like, how do you, why did you shave your head? Like, yeah. honestly, I sometimes don't have anything beyond like, you just never know. Like, how do you know if you've never done it or tried it? Or like, you just never know. Like the world is so big, you can't ever say like, oh, I don't like it or I like it or I wanna try it. So to me, it's like, just always say yes once and just kind of be open to the experience. So. I don't know what that word is, but it is just like the curiosity of like mm-hmm. saying yes once, like the confidence of feeling like, okay, let me just try it and see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. I like that. So we can start wrapping up this conversation and how I want to wrap it up is mm-hmm. I sometimes ask this question. Sometimes I don't, but I feel like because you've done so many amazing things and, and in, in that sense, I can relate to you. Like, I like to do something for, I don't know, two years or three years. And I'm like, okay, it's time to change shit up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I'm not comfortable being comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I can stay in the same space. Like, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go and, like, get a new job. But I'll do things differently. I, I will. And that's probably just me. Like, I just. Um, so, like, for example, like. I guess what I'm saying is if I compare it to someone who's in corporate America, who is going to go down this track of mm-hmm. 40 years, mm-hmm. like their life is written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can put them in a book mm-hmm. and you can, you know, guess what the rest of their life is going to be. Kind of sad. But for me, I just feel like I'm like this person that you don't, you, you just can't determine where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that I sense a little bit of that in you. And then that's that entrepreneur, right. That we're talking about. So I want to ask you, what legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be known for? Hmm. I think for me, well, I think also to what you're saying is like um, the biggest thing, like I also like I don't know, wherever plug this, wherever this ends up is like <laughs> uh, therapy is very important, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest things I've like learned through therapy that I carry with me all the time is like everyone's values in life is so different. Mm. And I think one of the big things I've decided on for myself, and it sounds like a little bit of you too, is like one of our values is to like keep growing in our like fields or like creative minds or like work and all of that. Like that's a very big value for us. So I think that's why we've ended up kind of in this path. And I don't think there's like a right or wrong. Like I think people that are like corporate, like if families more, like I think we all like, you know, have ranks of values. And I think that's like so important. 
So I think in that sense, like, yeah, like one of my biggest values is to just explore the world as much as possible and just like understand just I need to know I'm so curious about just so many things and I just need to know and like know a little bit about it try a little bit of it all that and I think for me the other the first model was like um, uh, like always try it once but I think the motto that is carried with me and like the biggest thing that I feel really in tune with is like leave things uh, better than mm. how you found it like even if it's just a little bit or if, even if it doesn't mean anything to this person but it's just for this person like you know like expanding the research in sexual wellness yes it helps most people but not everyone's super passionate about it and like why like it's not everyone will understand my dedication to why i chose this very mm -hmm. specific field but i to me i feel like in the guiding principle of like you know, anytime my life is like chaos and I'm like, am I doing the right thing? It's like, okay, but do I feel like I'm leaving the world a little bit better than the way I found it? And I think that's kind of the legacy I want to leave of like, if I, you know, maybe, I don't know, Linus blows up one day and I'm working at, I don't know, a glue, I don't, why am I saying glue, but like glue <laughs> factory. And I'm like, okay, but maybe I like work, get really into this glue thing and I can figure out a glue that changes mm. like, I don't know, environmental impact, like all that. But Whatever it is, I just want to feel like I did my best to just feel like I did a little bit of something to leave the world for the next people mm. a little bit better than or like just encourage somebody to like want to be in that. So I think my current, very current legacy of like building Linus and I would say I'm very, very deeply passionate about like destigmatizing the sexual wellness and also just in, in just uh, bringing more research into this area. So like in that legacy i just want to leave it a little bit more it's still so stigmatized like i think you know people are like oh america's so progressive but it's you know mm -hmm. one of the biggest countries that are like so taboo about mm -hmm. sexual wellness and all that so for me it's so like i want to see it a little bit better where we are more accepting of like sexual wellness for especially people with vaginas for women for mm -hmm. more inclusivity designs of around this kind of world so yeah, I think that's the legacy I want to leave. It's just that it feels a little bit easier to join this field. Maybe it's like hmm. my very current feeling of like legacy. But overall, it's like just leaving it a little bit better. So many people are going to benefit from you doing what you're doing now because especially of how our country is changing and in the near future, like five or 10 years, we will not, we like, people of color won't be a minority anymore mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and i think that's where the taboo is at yeah a lot of people who immigrate here um a lot of people who don't have the same opportunities or have the privilege to go to really good school where they teach really good sexual sex for education sure, for sure um or they teach it on a very surface level because teachers are not prepared or yeah. you know or they're not educated on this so they just so I, it's amazing to hear that that's your legacy i'm very excited because i don't think anything like this exists i'm sure that there is but i think um a lot of people will benefit a whole generation of, of people who are young girls and you know probably in the same situation that, that you're that you were when you were younger yeah. um so hopefully uh, what we want to do with our platform is help tell that story, which mm. is why you're a guest here. So really appreciate you being on Context. Thank you so much. Um, for those who are listening, we're going to link uh, Anna's social media links 
uh, right below this episode. Um, so, Anne, I don't know if you have any parting words before we close it out. No, I'm. Thank you so much. This was so much fun, and yeah, you're absolutely correct. Like, um, representation is so important, right? And especially in I think sex tech currently, there's not a lot representation just in all kinds, mm-hmm. like all the inclusion, all of that. So, um, yeah, like that's also exciting. Is like as a Korean American, like that's exciting to see, like just more faces come into different mm-hmm. areas of design and industries, like just to kind of. Yeah, like be more representative of us as a world. So I'm excited to really see that too. So yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. And for those who are listening, we will see you on our next episode. Woo-hoo. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Discord. You can find us at Context with Advanced Design on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Context is produced by Advanced Design with editing and production by Betuel Benitez and music by Shaide from Pixabay.